if you have a bulletin on the front of the bulletin, you'll see that I titled this message, Don't Give Up, God is a Winner. The reason that I titled the message the way I did was because this was something that I needed for myself. If you're like me, I need to be reminded of some of the things that we get busy in life, get distracted, and some of the promises that God gives us, His Word and stuff, we need to be reminded of that. So I was greatly encouraged, and I'm reminded that God is a winner. He's always a winner. And it's always going to be that way. It has been since the beginning of time. It will continue through eternity. God is a winner, and we need to remember that because if we want to be on the winning team... We need to have a relationship with Him. But let's face it, the, the world that we live in can make us feel like giving up. Or even worse than that, it can give us a feeling of hopelessness. Let's look at some things that we can get with a feeling of giving up or hopelessness. We're going to look at these in a minute, but I spent some time looking on the internet and reading some different things and stuff too, some information that I had at home and stuff on looking for some things. What I wanted was things that cause us worries or fear. And, you know, you have to sort through a lot of, there's a lot of stuff out there. There's things like uh, speaking in public, uh, the fear of spiders, fear of heights, fear of snakes, and the list goes on and on in things that... uh, we can be afraid of or have worries about. But I wanted some universal core things that affects all of humanity global, you know, all over the globe. And after some time, I come across what I was looking for. And, you know, also I want you to keep in mind that this list isn't conclusive or maybe it's not even the best of some of the things. But it made sense to me and I think it will be to you. And I'm going to give the lady that did this credit for her work putting this information together. So I'm borrowing somebody's material. But Terry's going to put it on our screens here. And it's from a website called listverse.com and Katie... Uh, Medrano is the one that come up with this. And this is what she uh, says prior to her list. Fear is an emotion that protects us from the threats in our surroundings and which has evolved to become more complex with our fears extending from the weird to the plain absurd. There are certain fears that the great majority of human beings share. I was searching around and found a lot of lists with common phobias and their explanations but none where these types of fears were discussed. This is a list of 10 of the human fears that every member of a society deals with throughout their life. So she went kind of through the same process that I had in nailing some of these down. Let's look at the 10 of the things. The fear of failure, fear of death, fear of rejection, fear of ridicule, fear of loneliness, Fear of misery, fear of disappointment, fear of pain, fear of the unknown, fear of losing your freedom. Now, can you guys shake your head to that? Have you ever had any of those fears? Those of us that are older, think back to your school days when you were in school. Can you uh, 
Can you remember the feelings that you had sometimes in school with, you know, some of these things, the fear of failure? Did you ever, were you ever afraid to try something in school because you thought, well, I'll, if I do that, I will uh, just fail anyhow? Did you ever have issues like that? I did. What about rejection? Have you ever had the fear of rejection? Or ridicule? Has anybody, you know, ever had to suffer through ridicule? Yeah. And, you know, misery, disappointment, pain, you know, we look at those things. Those are real issues that we have to deal with in our life. And we've been touched by these. And if you haven't, you will be touched by some of these at different times. So as we look at this information in the world, we have to ask ourselves, Where's our hope at? Where's our hope at? There's many different answers to that. Some people are trying to place hope in preserving the earth and the things that we have here for future generations. Uh, Some people are putting hope in trying to control population. Uh, New technologies, all these things, but they lead to discouragement. And, And if you don't suffer from uh, some of the discouragements and stuff, I tell you today, go home and watch the news for 10 minutes or 30 minutes, and that'll put some discouragement to you. The news does. It does me anyhow, but it doesn't take us long, does it? But many, many people are answering that there is no hope. And what I have here is, first of all, I, I looked at Wikipedia, at some things, and then got on the Center for Disease Control, uh, the CDC, and looked some information up. But this is interesting. In 2010, and our government figures on some of these solid numbers they have, they're always a few years behind just getting the information put together. But in 2010, the 12th leading cause of death in the United States is suicide in 2010. Well... More people died in the year 2010 from suicide than they did in car accidents. There was 38,364 people in 2010 that died from suicide. Well, I wanted to verify that, so I looked at the... Because they cited that they had used figures from the Center for Disease Control. So I went to that. If you're interested in that, you can look that up. It's a 97-page document of different stuff. So you're going to have to take my word for some of this. If you want to prove me wrong, you can go look at it. But uh, I use their figures. But in here's the ages that interested me. Ages from 10 years old to 24 years old, the first cause of death is unintentional injuries. Unintentional injuries would be like riding mules, for example. <laughs> or something like that, but just different things, you know, that we don't intend on losing our life. Uh, The second one was suicide from 10 to 24-year-old. And then the third thing was homicide. So really, if you're in that age group, the chances are you'll hurt yourself or better than the thought of somebody else killing you in a homicide or something. Isn't that sad? Yeah, I mean, that should make us sad. And we have been 
all of us have been affected by things like suicide and stuff. Somewhere in family or friendship circles, 20 years working at the sheriff's office, let me tell you, suicide affected me. Because uh, I was there, Steve Schnockenberg and Denise, they deal with it at the funeral home. I mean, sadness, great sadness, and, and things you can't explain and can't understand. But then the ages 25 to 44, first one is unintentional injuries, second is cancer, third is heart disease, and fourth is suicide. So from our ages 10 through 24, we're looking in those time periods of the second and the fourth cause of death. It isn't that sad, but see, that's what we're talking about here where we get this feeling of hopelessness. And you know, folks, the the church is where it's the only hope that there is that's out there that lasts eternally. We have to remember that. We have something, us, that understand God and the things of God and have accepted His Son Jesus. We have something for the world that makes a difference, and that is hope. Because otherwise we can fall into hopelessness and, you know, where taking our own life seems better than living. I mean, that is great. That is great sorrow and sadness and hopelessness there. But when we ask this question, where is our hope? Well, God's able to answer that. He answers that question for us, and we should be able to answer that question when people wonder. And Paul wrote in the book of Romans, turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, and we're going to start in verse 18. It's good to hear the pages rattling. It says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into freedom and glory from the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we eagerly wait for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Here, Paul's talking about hope, and also he's talking about creation. You know, creation has suffered uh, the consequences of sin. Remember in the garden, we chose sin. God had created things perfectly. We chose sin. Uh, and the reason I say we chose, we know Adam and Eve did at that time, but I, I'm no different than they are. Every day, Throughout the week and, and different times, things come up where I choose to sin or do something that I shouldn't or maybe there's something I should be doing that I don't do. So I'm no different than they are. And that's living for myself and living the way I would want to and ignoring what God would have for me to do. But we have hope that comes through God's love for us and provision that He has made through His Son, Jesus. 
because we've been adopted as sons and daughters into the kingdom. I want you to look at verse 24 and 25 again. It says, For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. The other day, we, Beth and I were in the living room and I was studying and I looked outside and it was raining outside and I told Beth, because uh, I was thinking about hope and what it was talking about here, about it, if it's seen, it isn't hope, but if we're patiently waiting for it and it's unseen, it is. And I was trying to understand that and you, those of you that know I'm simple in my thinking. And anyway, I told Beth, I said, you know, if you were a kid at the bus stop today and you were standing out in this rain, you would say something like, I hope the bus sure hurries up and gets here, okay? Then would come the point in time where you see, here comes the bus. And then pretty soon you would be on the bus. Well, when you're on the bus, you wouldn't say, I hope the bus comes, because you've already realized that, right? Well, to me, that's what Paul is talking about here. We're hoping for the bus to come, right? <laughs> uh, and I'm waiting for the bus to show up. The bus to heaven. And we have to remember that. That's something that's before us. And we, we have to not lose hope for that because we know it's coming. Just like those kids are standing out there. They know the routine. They know what happens. They know what their parents tell them. Stuff. They know the bus is going to come when things are tough and it's raining out there a little bit or a mean kid's picking on them, they're hoping that uh, the bus will hurry up and get there, right? Way to look at that. But in this world, we're discouraged. We're broken. We have struggles. We struggle with hope. When I think of that, I went through some verses that I like. Uh, Terry's going to, we're going to kind of go through them quickly here. She'll put them on the screen. Some of you might want to write them down instead of turning to him so you can go home and look at him later. But, you know, all through the Scripture, God gives us hope in, in the circumstances that we're in day-to-day or whatever. They're there, and they're all over. I pick some, starting in Psalms chapter 47, verse 8. That reads, God reigns over the nations. God is seated on His holy throne. Now, Psalms 103, verse 19 says, The Lord has established His throne in heaven and His kingdom rules over all. John 16, verse 33 says, and these are Jesus' words, He says, I have told you these things so that in Me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So Jesus here, if we think as Christians that when we become a Christian, then everything's going to be all right and we're going to avoid trouble. Jesus just blew that one out of the water right there. But when we do have the trouble and those tribulations and trials and things that affect us, we have hope, right? We have Him to help us. I think that is so cool. Then go to Romans chapter 8, verse 31. It says, What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, who can be against us? What good thoughts there. Now, go to Galatians 
chapter 6, verse 9, this says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap harvest if we do not give up. Sometimes do you get tired of trying to do what's good? We do, don't we? I told them this morning at early service that my daughters, when they were little, I remembered sometimes we'd go on hikes and they would get tired. Really, they weren't tired. Their, their body wasn't tired. Their mind was tired. And my daughter, Karen, my younger one, she would just like lay down on the trail and say, I can't go any further. Well, funny thing about this, she even did that up through high school. Took, yeah, took her to Gardner one year and we were going up a hill and she just laid in the snow and said, I can't go any further. Well, she was in better shape than me, really, but it was in her mind. But, you know, the thought of laying down on the trail. Sometimes I think I tell God, God, help me not lay down on the trail because really I just kind of want to lay down on the trail and not do anything and say I can't make it anymore. I don't want to do anything else. So, you know, the Scripture encourages us don't do that because we're operating in our own strength when we do that. God will give us the strength to carry on. Now we're going to go to Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, that verse, you've heard that quoted sometimes, and I've heard people quote it, and they will say, how did God demonstrate His love for us? He demonstrated His love for us through His Son, Jesus Christ. Well, don't forget the S on that word. The word demonstrate and demonstrates becomes different. I'm not a an English major or a master of the English language. In fact, I would be the opposite end of that. Uh, somebody that was uh, like John England or Mary England and stuff, they probably say, Deanie, my, my oh my, it's a good thing we love you. Because uh, you can take the English language. My wife reminds me sometimes of what I do with that. But I do understand this, that that demonstrates His love for us. That means that it applied when Jesus first came and it continues to apply. God demonstrates His love through Jesus. And so that little kid that hasn't been born yet or even conceived when he's born and he starts finding out about the things of God, God demonstrates His love for that child. Isn't that cool? You know, that's active always. And that's where hope comes from is that demonstration of love that God has there for us. But God's in control. He's seated on His throne. We need to remember that the devil doesn't win. We have victory because He's adopted us as His children. Isn't that cool? And we don't want to lay on the trail and give up, do we? We're not going to do that. When our strength runs out, in our weakness, God is made strong. So keep your chin up. I want to keep my chin up and let God continue to do the things that He has promised. And also, this comes through accepting the free gift of His Son Jesus. That's where these things we're talking about. That's where life comes through that in God demonstrating His love for us. So here's the way to deal with the hopelessness that we see around us is we think about some of these verses and there's hundreds and hundreds more that we can look at as we look through that gives us hope because of who God is and what God has done. And we've been rescued, you know. 
we've been rescued from the clutches of the devil and what he would have in store for us. I want to look at Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 through 14. Here Paul tells us this, When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. Having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, he has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. Now, most of you know that that I worked for Lincoln County Sheriff's Office here for 20 years and then retired and came to work at the church here. But in my years working at the Sheriff's Office, uh, when we dealt with people that we come in contact with through our daily routine of our jobs there and stuff, we would very often, you know, take their name, their date of birth, and their social security number, and, you know, we'd verify that with ID and so forth, and then we would give that information to the dispatcher, and then we would have them run a criminal history. We would ask for a criminal history on that person, okay? And back the days when I was working at the sheriff's office for a large portion of that, we had the old, what are they called, dot matrix printers or whatever that had the wheels. Remember the paper that had the holes on the side that you could tear the little strips off? Well, and then the paper was folded like an accordion and you had a thick box like this and it would just feed up in the bottom of the printer and come through. Well, you'd go into dispatch and do a criminal history on something and I'd always kind of in the back of my mind be listening for that printer because it'd tell you if it just printed out a couple pages, then it was probably going to come back no record found and and stuff, and it might show a traffic violation or something. But sometimes that printer would start going, and it'd go, and it'd go, and it'd go, and it'd go. Sometimes there'd be a half inch, three-eighths or a half inch of paper on a person, on their criminal history. Well, as I thought about that, I thought, what would it be if God pulled out our history, like the Scripture talked about here, the legal indebtedness. Remember the Old Testament law, how man couldn't keep that, and we would violate the very things that we're not supposed to, that God had for us. And, you know, the law brought condemnation to us because people couldn't keep it. Try as we might, there was things in it that we couldn't. And so that legal indebtedness, that criminal history stacked up from the way God was perceiving this. Well, then he comes up with a plan of his son, Jesus. Jesus shows up and those things are erased. It says in that scripture in Colossians there that Jesus took it and he nailed it to the cross. You know, you think of in today's world what that would be. The court would expunge your record. That would be today's terminology and so when the court goes through a process to expunge your criminal record on something it is done away with and it's deleted out and you you can't find it again it's like it didn't happen well that's what Jesus has done for us it's not because anybody of us is better than the other one it's because what Jesus has done to our criminal history or that record that was would be counted against us. And how many of you here, you don't have to raise your hands, but how many of you here would hate to see that list of violations? Yeah, (laughs) I'd be the first one to say, 
Who? And that's the things I remember. The things I remember scare me to death, but sometimes the stuff I forgot, you know, you get talking to your friends, you know, from things in the past, and every now and then you're reminded of something you thought you forgot about, or you were hoping they were the one that did that, right? And then it ended up that, you, you know, for the last 10 years you've been thinking, yeah, that time that they did that, boy, that, and then you realize that, hey, that you were the one that did that. <laughs> so that criminal record that would separate us from God, uh, those offenses, those are done away with. What good news there is in that. And you know, people, the only place people are going to hear that and get to hear the truth is in the church. The church being the people that have faith in God and what His Son has done for us.